Hi, I'm Keith Shockley of Public Enemy, and you're watching the Urban Music Report. So stay connected, you know what I'm saying? Stay connected at urbanmusicreport.com for the hottest music features and videos, fashion reports, sports stories, entertainment news, and technology updates at urbanmusicreport.com. Stay connected. Hey, it's the Urban Music Report. I'm Charles Dixon, and we're live in the studio with the legendary Keith Shockley from the Bomb Squad. What's up, buddy? How My you man, Charles, how you feeling? We go way back. <laughs> Mixing NBA, Mr. Mixon Dixon. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you, the world knows you, but um, just for the people of the, the millennials that are just understanding what's going on, mm. why don't you give us a brief little um, uh, bio? Little bio. Bio pick. Bio. Uh, start as a DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got crazy on Long Island do, being a DJ. Had a radio show. Made a demo for the radio show. Got signed by Def Jam. <laughs> and um, and uh, just and and, be, and I got into making beats throughout for our radio show for the local acts. Um, we used to put. I used to make all the beats, and they we were recording our little production studio and. Put them on cassette tapes, millennials, cassette tapes. Uh-oh. And then we were played on our radio show, and everybody thought it was real records. They used to go to the record stores and be like, yo, can I buy this record by this kid Uptown E? And it's not a record. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so so the crew of you, um, Flavor Flav, Incredible Chuck D, um, the Bomb Squad. Where did the Bomb Squad name come from? Um, I always wondered that. Yeah, so... As we started making all the beats, um, we started, besides doing the public enemy stuff, we started moving into other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Slick Ricks. Um, and then we was doing uh, remixes. For, we did one for the Age of Chance. We started doing a stack of remixes. Um, and it was just getting hotter and hotter. So we did this uh, one remix for Ziggy Marley and the Melody wow. Makers. Okay. And... That shot up to number one, the remix, not the original. Um, we was known for, in the remix world, of taking somebody's record that ain't that good and making it number one. And Chuck said, like, yo, man, y'all need a name, man. I don't know, because y'all just be dropping bombs on everybody. <laughs> he said, well, I don't just mind just call you the Bomb Squad. Wow. And, you know, the Bomb Squad consisted of me, uh, my cousin Eric's Vietnam Saddler, right, uh, Hank, and right. Bill Stephanie was a part of it. Bill Stephanie, yeah, because right, right. he was, you know, he was our liaison to Def Jam. Absolutely. So going back to the Public Enemy days, how did that come together? How did you put that? How did, were you just childhood friends? We was just childhood friends. Like I said, DJ and all that. Um, we made this single. Well, it wasn't even a single. We made a, a promo tape for the radio station WBAU, mm-hmm. um, and. It kind of exploded on its own. Mm. So within that, people would come from Def Jam, um, be sent down to do interviews, like um, the BC Boys would be hanging out with us. Um, uh, Jam Master J uh, would always come down to the show, mm-hmm. answer phones and stuff like that. This was when everybody was new. Uh, and Chuck made this uh Demo tape. I, I assisted him on to show him, you know, because we had our own studio, mm-hmm. how, and we used to call them pause tape. So okay. we made a, it was a pause tape right. of a James Brown, uh, a JB's break, mm-hmm. um, and as we as we did the tape, 
he, we, we recorded the vocals, we had a little eight track, and then Flavor came up with it, we did an intro on it, and it was just a promo, because everybody used to say in the neighborhood, yeah, and, and the name was Chucky D. That kid Chucky D, he ain't all that nice. And then that's why Flavor used that, yo, Chuck, remember we was going to, your Pops Queens and LA Arthur's Queen, they said that man Chucky D is nice? No, but I know he's nice. So that always came about from the hood, brothers in the hood that thought they can rhyme. So like, mm-hmm. Chuck ain't all that nice because we had the radio show, we was kicking it. And then, jealousy. yeah, a little jealousy. It was like, you know, but that was part of the game and we loved it. And so we had a radio station. Haters so, and motivated. Yes. And it <laughs> motivated hard. Right. And one day, now, between Dr. Dre from UMTV Raps, because he was the Beastie Boys DJ. Right. It, it gets, to me, it gets convoluted. I don't know what happens. Between him, but Chuck knows exactly one. Either him, DMC, or Jam Master J bought it to Def Jam. Because what a lot of things with everybody would do, they would tape our shows. Right. And once they tape our shows, they would, um, you know, have it on their cassette tapes, on their box. But... Def Jam got a hold of it. Rick Rubin was like, he heard it. He was like, whoa. But you got to hear DMC tell the no, story. Knowing Def Jam, they probably all ended up, everyone brought the tape. It was probably it's, a stack of tape. Right, it was a stack of tape of that up there. And everybody was like, yo, the DMC like, yo, kids sound like the voice of God. Who is that? You know? So, um, and, and that's why we had Chuck in our you know, crew, because his vocals was crazy. And then from then, it started as a public enemy. How did that well, come about? That, oh, man. Why were you the public enemy the, the, of the public? Enemy of the public. So it, it's, it's a crazy story. So the deal was they just only wanted Chuck. Right. And, and with the name like Chucky D, my brother Hank had the, had, had the crazy vision. It was like, we, now we, we can't just have Chuck out there as a Chucky D because there was a bunch of rappers with D's. There was your Schoolie D's, your Kumu D's, your Spider D's, your Heavy D's. Everybody was using the word D at the end of their name. So my brother wanted something like a group, you know, because, you know, we was fond of groups like Earth, Wind & Fire. And we felt the group can, is more forceful and more powerful but it was just the name because the actual group members was Chuck Flav and my brother. Right. <laughs> and that's who we signed. Um, so Chuck had, had uh, he's our graphic artist. Mm. And he had uh, 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 a logo for this group called Funky Frank and the Street Force. Mm. And it was the target that he drew on it. So uh, Chuck was, he, he did all our work. Wow. So the song was the, the demo tape was called you know we, we was we was the public enemy you know it was just for the demo tape right. and and he had the we had the symbol of the look and my brother said well we'll just call the group public enemy because we are because he came up with the whole concept of back then of the young black male mm-hmm. being the the victim, no, being the the target, the target rather right. of of America. Right. So you know because you know it's the heavy crack era. Right. Every black kid, no matter whether you lived in the suburbs or the urban area, 
we was considered drug dealers. Right. So, you know, we used to have we used to have issues like, you know, some of our parents drove nice cars. Mm-hmm. But because of that era, we would get pulled over by the police. Right. They thinking we'd ride in the drug dealing. It's like, no, this is my parents' car. Right. And you know, it, that as we see today. Exactly. So this was this was almost 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and nothing has really changed. Wow. So that was, we, we decided to become the voice of the young black male of America wow. with the songs. And wow. that took it to the, to the next level. So when you did, what was that show that you did, that first show that was so amazing that you just knew that this, we're going to blow up? Um, I don't know if it was the show because we did the Latin Quarters. Right. And that's when Latin Quarters, you had exactly. to be that. You well, had. You that was the Apollo. That was the Apollo. <laughs> Apollo. Yes, yes. You were and, 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 and I tell you what kind of pushed us to the next level. Melly Mel was in the, was in, you know, his, he, that's an idol. We don't care. But this is business. You know, this is right. record making. They was kind of killing us. Right. He was like, y'all ain't no real group. Blah, 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 blah. And blah. And from the, that had an opposite effect of us. We didn't look at him and him was dissing us. Right. We looked at him like, yo, if we can't make Melly Mel like us, and at that time, he, right. was he was the man. He was the rap battle man that was the king of the microphone. Right. We had to show and prove to he, be he equal. We had to step the game up. He made us step the game up. See, that's, that's what you mean. You know what I'm saying? And that, between that incident and when we came out with the first song and Mr. Magic said, no more music by the suckers, <laughs> he broke that record on the air, said we was the worst group ever. <laughs> so that became our, every time when people didn't say we couldn't do certain things, it became our force to go better. Right. They said the hand is the motivator. Yes. That's good. Yes. And, and, and we, treat, we, tra- we treated this like sports. You know, um, first album dropped. It was it was delayed. It was a year. It was already done a year before. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of getting dated. And, you know, and then that summer of 87, uh, Eric B. and Rakim dropped the record that changed our lives. What record was that? I Know You Got Soul. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. Now, we got an old album. They just dropped I Know You Got Soul. And we on tour with them. They was wrecking us. I remember getting that record in the record. Ooh, yes. 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 And and as the kid just did a deal with Fulton Broadway yep. at that time. Yep. So I had the Zakia pressing us. Yes. Okay. You got it from Eli. <laughs> he liked two That was the urban pool director. Yeah. That was the first record that I got that got that solidified the job as an urban pool director for it. That was a disco record pool. Wow, well, yes. Like, yes. Can you get rap records? <laughs> I called, I got that record, and then I was set. Yeah, that, that was it. And then the Public Enemy album, when I was on uh, the radio station WPGC. First, I didn't understand it because you know I'm in DC. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It was like really political. It was like some <laughs> Malcolm X, Black Panther. Yeah. I was like, wow. But then in college, 
All the white kids were into it. It's almost mm-hmm. like they turned on the black kids. Oh, I, I tell you, yeah, it, 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 it was crazy, man. So tell me about that, that, that crossover experience. Like when, because I think the group on a national level, mm-hmm. it, it was like the kids in college, like a lot of white kids in college mm-hmm. were the they like they would gravitate toward the group first at first. We be, they, they, in some cases, we had the street when we dropped Rebel Without a Pause, and that's what I was, what I was making I mean, the story. The New York, we had the streets of like other when it when it when it comes when it came across. Um, I, I don't know when or how we crossed over. I just knew that it was so rebel like yeah. you know all the all, all parents hated it whether yeah. it was white yeah. black and the young white kids at the time was in the world of defi- defying was, their parents exactly it was a coming of age rebel yes. anthem it was a soundtrack yeah. yes. for little rich spoiled kids going out of yes. control and then that was their song yes I'll never and, forget that and that was that's their, what made me like it yes. I'm like they like this group they it was everything put it this way it was anti the social status exactly. or the status quo at that point and we was the only one it was loud like rock music mm-hmm. it had hard beats like hip hop music right. so it was a cross between both of that right and it was just always loud and angry and and it always had to have a meaning behind it but we couldn't sound like we was preaching exactly and when they got to it when the white kids got to it I think I think it became more bigger. It spoke to them. Yeah, I think I think when um, when Anthrax, because they was hot at that time, exactly. Crossed when they when they did the cover of "Bring the Noise" in the yep. rock world. Yeah, that really forced us into the white audience. Exactly. It was like it, they was getting there, but that was but global they, when they did it. Yes, like, I'm just saying, like just being in Maryland and DC, that whole DMV area, <laughs> and in college, in that record. Was playing at all all at, with the toga parties. Yeah, raps the light. Yep, it was. <laughs> it was the message. Public enemy. Yep, it, it was. Wow. And you know, in the name, public enemy. Yeah. It, it was just. It was just indigenous of the time, and what was going on then when hip hop music was the anti music. Through radio stations, mm-hmm. and but that music that we did started to infuse the white generation and the black generation exactly. together. And then when it hit the soundtrack of the movies, like a Spike Lee movie, like The Power, oh. tell me about that experience. Oh. Spike became a P fan um, when he did uh, School Days. Exactly. Yeah, when he first heard it, he's just like, you know, from School Days, you saw Kadeem Hardison win a Public Enemy uh, sweatshirt because he wanted that. Yo, I want the Public Enemies in that. And, you know, the School Days was about the, the frats and how they used to get down. That was a whole other game there. But he said, I'm doing another movie. Movie, and I need y'all to do a song. And we was like, mm, okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll do a song. It's it's cool. And he said, no, I need you to do a song. And we was like, okay, you know. He said, I need. This is the only song that's going to play throughout the movie. We was like, yeah, right. So he said, but I need you to take. Like they came up with the concept. I need you to take like lift every voice and sing, and turn that into <laughs> an anthem. That sounds like something Spike was saying. 
Yeah, he said that. <laughs> so my brother looked at him like he had 12 heads, like, what? First of all, you don't mess around with Lift Every Voice and Sing, and we can't do nothing with that to make it like an anthem the way we're making records. Like, we couldn't do that. We'll come back to you with something. But Eric Sadler, he, Eric Sadler probably figured it out with Hank, and then you. Well, no, at that time, I had the track. I was like, yo, I got the beat. It was oh. like, Chuck was like, that sounds kind of hot. We'll take that. What made and, you come up with? That's why I always want to ask you that beat. Like, how did you come up with that? Like we, just making, we just making, listen, we just making. Listen, we, we yeah, yeah, fight about. We just making joints. And the, the greatest thing about us that people kind of forget, you never got the whole music track. Right. You got the basics. You got the drums. Right. You know the drums and maybe a loop or something that's driving the track. You got that. It was basic. Mm-hmm. Chuck would do his stuff on it put flavor on it, and then me, Hank, and Eric will come back over and start adding in like a right. music score. Right. So like when it's, we start layering in it, um, phrases that Chuck would say, we would change the beats and stuff like that, put things in. It was, and it was like that on every record. It was like scoring a movie. You know, here's a scene. This section doesn't feel so good, so we need to make the music not feel so good. So when we have words that Chuck would say, okay, he said this phrase. We need to change the record and, and change the whole music tone and go something just for that phrase. So it was almost like the way Motown would do a record, right. how they would have parts and one song would be one one part of the song would be one way, and then all of a sudden you get to another part, it just goes into a whole different level. So we it was just kind of that. And we just, as as now I just say, we were stealing. We was just stealing from different people, but we were put in our own way. Right. No, and we it. always had to make it angry and hard so you you get an emotion out of it. Well, that song did it. Yeah. And then when Flavors, his step, I was at 911 on that record. Oh, uh, yes. It, it kind of toned you got guys down. Like, okay, these guys are cool. They're not just ready to, to destroy or, or, or kill or rebel. Yeah. It was like some... You know, some humor. It, it, it was humor, but at the same time, serious. it was a serious record because it was happening in the hood. That was happening in the hood. You, you would call nine one one, and they they would never come. Shoot, man, I grew up in Baltimore in the Wire, and nine one one. Put it this way, Fourth of July, we used to go away out of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's when the shooting would come. The yeah. police would, oh, it's just Fourth of July. Yeah. It's fireworks. It's not guns. Yeah. So the police yep. would come, and the ambulance would recover. Yep. So, so that song definitely hit the hood. That was that was the hood, and. <laughs> Funny story, flavor, flavor. I think I think he had like uh, something happened to him, and uh, he. Uh, I think he like broke his arm or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they called they called nine one one and realized it was him. They took his time getting to him. They said, oh, "Are you gonna make some more of them nine one one jokes?" <laughs> because you know the EMS system, they they was getting really hit hard by that. They they was pissed that he made that record. Yeah, they was like, "We ain't like that." And we was like, yes, y'all are. <laughs> depending on the neighborhood. Yep, depending on the neighborhood. You date. Like yep. Oh, no. No. And and he had his issues in the Bronx. So that was like, whoa. It was like, they were. He was living off, like, he was off of like Fordham Road, off, off of there. So he was like, er, they was like, we're going to take our time getting to him. <laughs> and who would know, years later, you get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? How did that come about? Ah, that, that was, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame goes 
you know, every 25 years, who's ever up for it, get a nomination, mm -hmm. and you got to be voted in. Um, now they let the audience do it, but right. back then, uh, it was the panel. Mm -hmm. um, and and that was our first nomination, you know, first our first time up. And Some groups get up over and over. Over and over. So we, got, we got, we was up and in, first shot. Because we deserved it, though. yeah. Because it was a, our music was a social change. You and know, you represent the transition from traditional rock and roll into yeah. hip hop. Because the yeah. same, the children of the rock generation gravitated yeah. towards hip hop because it was that sound that was the a rebellion that soundtrack. Yes. So that yeah. was a perfect transitional piece. Yes, it, it it was there. So when we got in, when we got into that, it was like I was like, oh, ah, it's cool. It didn't hit me until we was at the ceremony, and when it really hit me, like you know, we went from my mom's basement to the rock, and then that wasn't even the plan. We wasn't even trying to be musicians, and right. we just wanted to make an impact and get out. It was just a little situation that Rick and Rick was giving us, and we was just going to do a little something, and we'd be out the game. But when it got to that point, and they had. Public Enemy, and then also because they, before each situation, they will have it up on the big screen, right. and they have up next Public Enemy from Roosevelt, Long Island, right. and I'm sitting there like, wow, this is this this is yeah, this is real, because all up until that moment, it didn't seem real. It's like man, whatever. Nothing gonna change. It. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah, they gonna it, say they it, read the wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we didn't really. We've been and when it was there, and the and and you see the people that's in the audience, mm -hmm. like, like everybody, like from the rock world, R and B, pop, and you're getting inducted. Right, and the well deserved. And the, amongst the the ones we thought was the greatest in the world, mm -hmm. you know. So it 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 kind of sunk in from then. Well, and yeah. since since the nomination, like, what type of phone calls are you getting now? Are you getting product endorsement? Um, we don't. We, we get some, you know, some product. We we we're kind of not the kind of crew that just like look for stuff like that. We right. just like to do our stuff, do our work. Um, help out what we can with young artists mm -hmm. um, you know we still do community work right. so um, it, it became that kind of thing it wasn't like nothing we were sitting around oh we're going to capitalize on this mm -hmm. as a situation we was like thank you all for you putting us in yeah we already just like that to take yeah, to you know there. yeah you know we was like thank you all for the nomination it sounds great it looks good on a resume and you look back over life like yeah, we did make a mark in this music industry Right. Um, so and we we didn't we didn't take it no further, you know. Um, so and it, we, we're proud that our works did change some lives. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, I think one of the greatest joys that I get when people say, mm -hmm. "Yo, man, your music changed my life." You know, the kids gonna get that now with the newer music because right. that, that's what it did. Right. But their, their parents are saying it. Yes, the younger kids that are hearing it for the first time. Yes, it's affecting them as well. It's, it's affecting them. So that's a that's one of the the coolest blessing when I'm in a room and I'm doing an interview and most of the people in there, you know, they're white and they be like. Mm -hmm. 
you know, your music changed. I'm like, my music changed. Your life, it wasn't, it wasn't designed for that, but. But it was their soundtrack. It was their soundtrack to that. Yes, to do what they need to do. Inspired the stuff like, um, you know, it inspired the new generations, the, the, you know, the Googles and stuff like that. And, you know, um, and people would tell me that it did, you know, that's doing that. And I'm, and I'm just grateful to be a, a cog in the wheel of this whole situ- of this whole situation. But, but you're still going, like you're DJing now. Yes, DJing now. I went, checked out a couple of your sets. I mean, you're into all the new sounds from Afrobeat. You kind of yeah. you kind of turned me on to the Afrobeat thing. I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? I know Afro House. <laughs> but then I think you did. A, I think we did an event. Like a Carson in Brooklyn. Like a in Brooklyn. And that's when I was like, I went he's into, doing some incredible stuff. Yeah. Because you were, you were incorporating production techniques into the DJ. Into the DJ world, yeah. And I think a lot of people weren't catching it. They didn't realize that you were actually making up stuff as you were going along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. So so how how often do you DJ? Um, I DJ like I, I DJ like every time I go out, man. Like when I go out and I and I'm on the on the, the computer set. <laughs> um I, I like to incorporate like it's, I like to DJ like I'm making a beat. Right. So it's a lot of, and then the, and I always look for beats that's kind of different, a lot different, but still funky, still keeps you in a point, point where it's like, where did he find that from? Right. You know, I'm, I'm like, and that's how I was back then we, we came into the game. So I try to keep that, and, you know, when... When I say when I do Afro beats, mm-hmm. it's not like what they what the new kids are turning in, uh, making a decision on what Afro beats is today. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, what was with a French Martin in them. That's not Afro beats to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's not when I get uh, um, Tony Allen right. and um, you know. Uh, Ebo Taylor and all of them. Mm-hmm. Those are the real Afro beats. Yeah, those are original. <laughs> those yeah, are original. The DeVito and you yeah. have A Star and yes. Kid and Burner Boy and all I mean, of them. My creativity. Yes. So there, those are the new cats that's taking that to the next level. Right. You know, ideal in timing. So mm-hmm. it's it's the three six timing with right. them. That's kind of you know kind of feel jazz, but it's not. And right. you know, and it's based off the drums. Like Hip hop. Yep. It's like little R and B. It's kind of like dance hall. Yep. So now I'm noticing the dance hall artists are coming back with the Nigerian Afrobeats. Yes. It's amazing. So I, and I those and the Nigerian Afrobeats I play more so than any other Afrobeats. Absolutely. Because they they are like the they originate. They originate. The sound of it. Yes. And, yeah. You know, and they're coming hard. Yeah, they're coming hard. They have movies on Netflix. They, what do they call it? Nollywood? Uh, yes. Yes. Nollywood, they um, Netflix. They got dancers. Yes. They got, they got, the, whole, they got the whole package. Yes. Like I, I Hip hop had the dance and the art and the visual and all that. Yep. Know? So I think they're going to be the next wave. That well, like they're gonna have the impact that dance hall had with, with Sean Paul and Elephant Man, and yes. Shaggy and all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about. I'm always excited about new music that kind of feels very Afrocentric, right? You know, and I'm and I'm always digging for those kind of. Stuff. It it is like it's. It's crazy. You go through my crazy when I go through that world. I go through that zone, and people are like, well, "What are you playing?" I, I don't know what it is, but I just like it. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's deep. And That's what hit me when I when I started. I was watching. I was on Instagram, and there was this this dancer. 
think her name is Nika, but she goes by Dellison. Yeah. And okay. I was like, yes, I seen what? that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the moves that she was on, See, like, okay, they, Afrobeats is coming. Yep. So I went through about five or six, or actually, I went through about 30 of her videos, and I, yep. and I put on Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> all the songs. I'm like, okay, this is coming. Hard. It's coming. Yes, it's coming, man. And it's, it's, it's rightfully so because things always take a circle, exactly. always come back around. And you can feel it emotionally. When it, yep. Whenever there's an emotional connection, mm-hmm. then you know that's a, a new wave. Like when hip hop came, like when you guys came, you could, you could definitely feel it and you wanted to be a part of it. And it was a movement. It was a movement feel it, and 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 it was based off of whether it, it didn't have to be perfect, right? You know, I hear a lot of stuff that's always because it's perfect. evolving. Yeah, it evolves and people get into it, and then mm-hmm. it becomes perfected, and then it becomes what it is. And after after a minute, you hear the perfectness so much, it becomes, and then everybody's gonna go back to making it unperfect, right? Let me just. Oh, it just feels good, you know. Do original interpretation of it. Yes, yes. Now, but speaking of Instagram, I was on Instagram a couple while back, and you had posted this post that you were like, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm in the hospital. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, I had a heart attack. And I was like, is this a joke? Is this? And then I realized it was serious, man. So, like, you know, definitely, you know, Tell us about that. Tell us about that experience and well, how it happened. And- well, it, it, it's once <laughs> everything always happens in the studio, whether it's a good beat or a heart attack. <laughs> wow. No, I, I, I make lighter stuff because it's serious. Um, I, was, I just got finished finishing up a session, mm-hmm. um, and you know, uh, I was eating some walnuts, and and that's when it hit me. And after I, the reason why I'm kind of go go fast through this, not too fast. Mm-hmm. The doctors, or when I explained to them what had happened, mm-hmm. she said, well, usually that's when you have a heart attack, mm. when you're eating. Right. You know, people don't realize that. So the reason why I say stuff like that, so when you think when you're eating and you just might think it's the food or indigestion, mm-hmm. you could be having a heart attack. So I was actually having a heart attack. Um... I had all the, all this. I didn't know it at the time because you never had one before. Right. So all the symptoms. One was um, you get you get hot, mm-hmm. you get warm, you feel like you need air, mm-hmm. and then you, and the pain is still there. Mm-hmm. And then what comes later, but not much later, the numbness in your left arm. Mm-hmm. So when all of that happened, the first thing that came to my mind is kind of denial. Right. So. I said, you want to shake, shake it off, it's not happening, but I, I kind of had enough knowledge, and I didn't want to believe that it was happening. First thing I thought, I said, well, this could be a stroke or a heart attack. It wasn't a stroke, because a whole stroke is, stroke is kind of, it's a whole different thing. It's when your face drop and all that, you'll know, and it's on your right side. So I kind of knew it was a heart attack, mm. but the, the funny thing, it's... It's an heart attack and you're still moving and you can, you're functioning, but you're getting a little warmer. You know, some people break out in sweat when it's happening. Um, I still have the pain that's going in my chest Mm. and, and it felt like somebody was, had a hard finger or like a, something metal just poking at you, poking at you, poking at you. And it makes you feel like it's either gas or I get, sometimes I get muscle spasm. It felt like a muscle spasm. So I'm trying to stretch it out. I'm trying to do all that. And then it kind of subsided for a little bit. So I did rule number one that you don't do. I drove myself home. Mm. Like, it's only like a 
10 minute drive. Right. But that, that was the dumbest thing you can do. For a cause, it can get worse. Mm-hmm. You, then you go into a cardiac arrest. Right. Not killing your, you, not only you can kill yourself, you can kill whoever's on the road. Right. So now it's a disregard for somebody else's life right. when you, if you really don't know what's happening, but you really gotta know that's what's going on. Right. So when I did that, I got home, it's still happening. Mm. I did dumb other thing. It, I'm, I drink some ginger ale. Maybe I just need to burp. Still going on. It didn't happen. So I realized this is serious. Something's happening. My smartness was this only took for me to realize to, I should have called an ambulance. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had my, my god sister drive me to the hospital, mm-hmm. which wasn't far. Correct. So um, that's rule number two. Just call an ambulance because when it happens when you get an ambulance, they got things like nitroglycerin pills that, right. to kind of subside everything, mm-hmm. and then they can give you some cooling and stuff so right. it thins the blood real quicker so you right. can get the get the heart pumping. Um, so when that happened, um, I I had her take me to the hospital, and when I got there. Um, the denial that I had that I'm having a heart attack and I don't want to admit to myself that I'm having it. Because you're young. Young. I'm in shape. Exercised. I'm just eating. Yes, all that. And um, when they get me in the hospital, so the doctor comes back, so you you had a heart attack. We got you on some stuff real quick to kind of minimize, you know, it getting worse. Mm. Um, We need to thin your blood. Um, so when that's happening, and that's when he was like, that's when I was like, this is real. Right. This is real. I just had one. And it came out of nowhere. I didn't have no symptoms before, mm-hmm. none after. And then the crazy part was, after they did my, took, took all my vitals and um, did a little bit of blood work, then they had that, I, I didn't have high blood pressure. Right which is one of the main causes, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have high cholesterol, which is the second main cause. It was, they they was trying to figure out like, so how did this happen? Hmm. So I'm like, I don't know, y'all the doctors, y'all need to tell me how it happened. So when that went on, you sitting there and you're thinking, and and I'm thinking, and my mind goes to the worst. So I'm thinking while I'm sitting there, I can just have another one. You know, which can happen, which has happened to other people. So you're just thinking about, are you going to make it through the night? Or did they, did you get it there in time? Now, my whole thing was, I didn't do what some people do. Some people wait till the next morning. Mm-hmm. My whole process was like 45 to 50 minutes. Right. So I got there quick. Exactly. You know, so it might have seemed long, yeah. but within that 45 to 50 minutes, I was cool. Because I've heard some people say, I had one, and I went to bed, thought that it would go away. I know some people that did that. And they wake up. They didn't wake up. Yeah. You know, so... You know, your body will tell you it's whether you want to believe that it's happening to you because you don't think that it can happen. And you know, Charles, and you, I'm the last person that and everybody would think I would happy because they, because my activity right. is what as well. That's why when I saw it, I was like, "Is this real? Like, is, is he maybe he has a cold or something?" Yep. And I read it, I'm like, "Heart attack." Yep. I was like, "What?" And then he posted the the the, the split. Procedure. Yes, I, the, the the stent, the, the stent, stent yeah. Right. So what I did was, when I was in the hospital, because I was so, like, I'm always looking at to do something. 
So what happened was I wanted to uh, tell people, not that for the fact that I'm in the hospital, right. I wanted to warn people that, dude, this is serious. Because, right. you know, I've been through a lot in my life, but that right there took me to the next level. So when I posted that, that was just to bring out an awareness. Right. That's all it was to like do. PSA. PSA. Look, look at me. This could happen to me. This could happen yes. to you. It could ha- be happening to you right now. Yes. Because everybody's on their phone. Yes. Everybody's on their phone. Yes. That's a good yes. Way to lose it. Um, luckily, you know, usually I'm always hanging out on you know, Friday. And it was a Friday night, too. And it was the Christmas weekend. Oh. So, right. you know, it was Christmas weekend and Friday night. You always either going out. So when that happened, I decided to, like, let, you know, let me let people understand that this is serious. I didn't think it was going to go that viral. It hit me. You know, it hit. It hit. And then, yes, you called me and we talked about it. And then um, I got a lot of testimonies from my friends calling me, yo, I got to go get myself checked. I said, yo. You got to be a spokesperson now? Yo, so now, yeah, so now I'm I'm working with the the American Heart Association um, to bring awareness to this. Here's the thing, especially the black men and stuff like that, we're the highest risk. Right. Um, And then there's a lot of studies that I don't think people know. I think the first thing people think is, oh, you be eating a lot of crap. You're out of shape. You're out of shape. No. It's your environment you live in. When you're black, we live in a high-stress environment. Most of us, especially when you're poor, and mostly we're poor, but with blacks, it's how you gonna pay your rent, how you gonna feed your kids, where's where's your next meal coming from, um, or what kind of meals are being sold in the grocery stores that you have that you can afford, right? You know, and the quality and the quality of it. So, and that's basically what it is. You can't afford the good quality. You're going to get the next thing. And so, most of that is the processed meat. Right. Trust me, you, you know me. I haven't had red meat in about ten years. Wow. So I wasn't eating no red meat. Just some chicken and some fish, vegetables, little junk food here and there, right. stuff like that. You know, um, I, um, and I do, and I and I'm juicing too. Right. So all that I'm doing Correct. correctly mm-hmm. still didn't matter. Wow. And I found out it's basically what's happened within your environment. Stress is one of the biggest. We live with stress. So, so one of your arteries was clogged. So one of my arteries was clogged. Um, just one. It's the, artery, it's the artery that goes to the back of the heart. Mm. The problem was with that was, that was clogged so bad, they had to put three stents in one artery. Wow. They thought they only had to do one, and that was good. Usually you get one, it's kind of, it's clogged, but it's not bad. Mm. So when you put three stents in it, so the, the stents is about, maybe about this long. Mm. And then you got, so it's two, one, two, and three. So, uh, three. so that's a that's a pretty bad clog. Any any more any longer could have been like, you know, that's it. Cardiac arrest. That was built up over years. Even that's, when you start eating right. Eating right. Um, I always brought to the fact that the wreckage of my past. Right. Oh, my past was bananas, right. smoking, drugs, and all that other stuff. That all caught up. Right. You know, um, and. You know, a lot of people don't realize. And the main thing is we're doing this when we're young. Right. Because when we're young, we can move around a lot. And it's crazy when people, some people have heart disease. There's really no no recollection of heart disease in my family. Right. This is just bad 
body management. Right. Um, when, when I'm young, thinking we're indestructible. Mm. But when you get, when we live past the gunshot wounds and, and we get older and we done moving into our 50s, right. all the stuff that we've been doing when we was young catches up. catches up. That's why you see us, most men dying at 50. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because the black men, with stuff that we're doing with the high blood pressure at a young age. So the message is now not to get to the people that either had it or the people that's in their 50s, because I hate to say sometimes by that time, that's too late. You, your game is almost over. So you get those annual checkups. You get them annual checkups, but you got to get to the youth. Yeah. You got to get to them. That's become part of their lifestyle. Of their lifestyle. Eating and taking care of yourself. Yes. Is part of the lifestyle. Just like you listen to music, you go to the club. Yes. We can, we can turn up to all the stuff. Yep. All the hot music. We know all of that. But what you're doing with your body. Right. You know? So that, that, uh, that's the biggest part that I'm trying to bring the awareness to. Like, you know, I work with younger artists, you know, and they in the studio, I'm turn, treat, treating them how to write songs and stuff like that and what it is. HBO project. I did a, no, I did a, a, a little song for um, one of the HBO, uh, I do sync license and stuff. So, yeah, so they, they um, synced one of my songs with one of the HBO projects and stuff like that. It was, um, uh, it was a comedian. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Uh, oh, this is so bad. They're gonna be like, we'll never hire him again. He can't remember the song. But it was it was a comedian um, that had a show in in November uh, on HBO. But he has his own show. But he did a stand up. Pharrell part of that? No, no. I've 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 been doing stuff with Pharrell on the side. It's like building him sound packs because he want, yeah he wanted some of the the bomb squad sound. Uh, he, he wanted that. Yeah, you know, I was like, yo, come on, that's my man though. That's my man. Yeah, so he's, he's yeah, so he's innovative, but he he knows what he wants to do, and he's you know honored. I was honored too to work with him. So we've been you know trying to build this thing, but um, but other than that, man, you know, what I'm, about Don Mateo? Don Mateo is who I hooked up with, and he him and my publicist Adrian Russo kind of came up with this idea of this shirt that I'm wearing. Oh, so you know, so it's like it says produced by Keith Shockley. Okay. It says uh, hip hop heartbeats. Oh, so you know, no. we playing off the whole okay. hip-hop joints so um, these shirts we sell it on his website domateo.com nice. and I like, the, I like the slim yeah it's like the slim fit kind of keeps it nice and this is all to promote uh, heart awareness heart awareness healthy yes. heart healthy heart yes so what any, any new artists that you're coming up with um, I got a EP coming out okay. I'm working on that I got like it, maybe it might be like a four song EP uh-huh. four or five song EP bunch of a couple of young artists um, that are kind of one two rappers one singer um, it got, I got a little disco song in there some uh, retro song retro, so retro. I got you know I got a lot of little creative stuff happening with, the, with, okay. with it man it's kind of dope that's fantastic yes. I'm so glad that we can finally sit down and yes man we can we've been to get my little Don yeah. Cornelius type <laughs> <laughs> you know. do a Good job, hey, man. man. Try, man. <laughs> Guys like you coming through is, is really important to let people know. And, um, you know, it's the Urban Music yeah. Report. Yeah. And in studio live with the incredible Keith Shockley, the Bomb Squad, Public Enemy, and everything else. And thanks for sharing that. My brother. Thank you. The heartfelt story. And, um, you know, we'll see you soon. Yes. Stay connected at UrbanMusicReport.com for the hottest music features and videos. 
fashion reports, sports stories, entertainment news, and technology updates at urbanmusicreport.com. Stay connected.